Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 27th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter, The Family Afterwards, starting on page 124 with the third paragraph, It is Possible to Dig Up, reading through three paragraphs, ending with, To Outgrow That Serious Handicap. Comments welcome on all paragraphs. <clears throat> Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Larry K., The Twelve Traditions, Jody E.Q., and readers of the text are Lisa H., Devorah S., and Larry K. The reference numbers for Wednesday, September 26, 2018 are, excuse me, I'm getting to a quiet location, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 11964. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11965. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Larry Kay to read the 12 steps. Larry? Good morning, Katie. Okay, the 12 steps. We admitted we, number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Katie. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. I will now ask Jody E.Q. to please read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Jody? Good morning. Thank you. This is Jody E.Q., Recovered in California. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles for personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Jody. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, The Family Afterwards, starting on page 124 with the third paragraph, It is Possible to Dig Up. We are reading through three paragraphs, ending with to outgrow this serious handicap and comments will be made are welcome on all paragraphs. I will ask Lisa H. to begin our reading. Lisa? Good morning, uh, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Tennessee. It is possible to dig up past misdeeds so they become a blight, a veritable plague. For example, we know of situations in which the alcoholic or his wife have had love affairs. 
In the first flush of spiritual experience, they forgave each other and drew closer together. The miracle of reconciliation was at hand. Then, under one provocation or another, the aggrieved one would unearth the old affair and angrily cast its ashes about. A few of us have had these growing pains, and they hurt a great deal. Husbands and wives have sometimes been obligated to separate for a time until new perspective, new victory over hurt pride could be rewon. In most cases, the alcoholic survived this ordeal without relapse, but not always. So we think that unless some good and useful purpose is to be served, past occurrences should not be discussed. We, families of Alcoholics Anonymous, keep few skeletons in the closet. Everyone knows about the other alcoholic troubles. This is a condition which, in ordinary life, would produce untold grief. There might be scandalous gossip, laughter at the expense of other people, and a tendency to take advantage of of intimate information. Among us, these are rare occurrences. We do talk about each other a great deal, but we almost invariably temper such talk by by a spirit of love and tolerance. Another principle we observe carefully is that we do not relate intimate experiences of another person unless we are sure he would approve. We find it better when possible to stick to our own stories. A man may criticize or laugh at himself, and it will affect others favorably. But criticism or ridicule coming from another often produces the contrary effect. Members of a family should watch such matters carefully, for one careless, inconsiderate remark has been known to raise the very devil. We alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. Um, Good morning again. Um, I'm grateful to be uh, able to share this morning. Uh, As I was reading this, um, it said we know of situations in which the alcoholic or his wife have had love affairs. And, you know, that the, the sort of love affair that we normally think is kind of is not what happened in my household. But for me, I had a love affair with food. Um, and which, which, you know, took precedent over a whole lot of other things. Um, and in that, um, love affair with food, I was secretive and dishonest and, um, you know, manipulative and selfish in my behavior. Um, and, and it was, it's interesting, you know, as, as I, um, got abstinent and started working the steps. I remember sitting down one and I was not quite, I guess I was doing step four. And I remember saying to my, to my husband, who, who is my most intimate relationship um, on this earth. I said, Ooh, am I gonna, am I gonna owe you some amends, you know? And he kind of looked at me like, Oh, Oh, in your step work. And, um, and you know, so I became very aware of, um, that what, what was going to have to happen when I got to step nine. Um, and I was, the other thing it was talking about, unless, unless those past experience would be helpful, they shouldn't be discussed. Um, and I remember thinking I didn't want to hide anything. And this was in regards to, to the food and my behavior. And I remember another discussion we had, my husband said to me, well, did you like hide it around the house like an alcoholic hides alcohol? (laughs) 
And I said, well, not exactly, but you know that drawer in the kitchen where you never go into? I said, that was kind of my little sugar stash, you know. Um, And it felt so good, to be honest, in that way. Um, I remember as I, um, as I got recovered and, and other things would, would pop up, you know, old behavior, old dishonest behavior and manipulative behavior. And I remember saying to my, to my husband, you know, I know I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I'm going to do it with as much rigorous honesty as I can manage. Um, and, and that was how I had to move through this. Um, every time I wanted to hold back or um, hide something that I might have done or whatever, um, I realized that what God's will for me was to be as honest as I possibly could. And when we would have conversations, um, I'm so grateful I was thinking about this when it says invariably um, our talk was, uh, there was a spirit of love and tolerance. And through all this. I mean, I just celebrated 30 years of marriage and, and most of that time I was a compulsive overeater restrictor. Um, and I realized looking back how very forgiving and loving and tolerant, um, my spouse was, and I'm grateful for that every day. And my way now, um, of making living amends is to be honest about my, how I feel, um, what I do, you know, um, how I spend my time, how I spend our money. Um, anyway, um, I, so in this whole, in this whole thing, it's, um, it's just taught me to, if, if I can be honest with the people that I really care about, then I really am doing, um, God's will on a daily basis. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, we'll now open the meeting for sharing. If everyone who wants to share wants to press star one and say your first name, first initial of your last, I'll uh, I'll write your name down. Go ahead. Can I be heard? Yeah, this is Judy. Thank you. Marcella okay. M. Okay, Marcella M. Who else would like to share? <clears throat> Vasa O. Jackie B. Vasa. From the Bronx. Jackie B. Can take a couple more. Anyone else like to throw their hat in the ring yet? Everyone's thinking cap is still getting warmed up. All right, that's no worries. Let's start with Marcella M, Vasa O, and Jackie B. That's a great lineup to get started. Marcella, good morning. Thank you, Katie. Um, Marcella, recovered composer over eater. Um, so the love affairs. Um, I my my sponsor told me that um, this chapter can be read with anybody who's founded uh, by. Um, Bonds of love and affection to an addict. So that's pretty much every single one of my relationships. And yes, because my um, love affair was with food and with myself, frankly, because I was obsessed with my image. In uh, I was obsessed with um, avoiding um, pictures, have pictures taken of me. I was scared of mirrors. I was scared of my closet. And I was scared of my hunger. So I was completely unable and unwilling to be present emotionally for anybody 
husband included, but anybody, wherever I went, um, my body was there, but my mind was thinking, how do I look? Am I fat? Am I big? How much do I weigh? What should I eat? Should I eat it? Shouldn't I eat it? I'm hungry. I'm fat. I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm fat. If I eat, I'm going to be even fatter. I, I have to eat anyway. And my mind was never where my body was because I was constantly, constantly obsessed with that delusional obsession of trying to control my eating. And and I just could, my body, my mind were not a match. So going through the steps, that beautiful marriage happened. Now my mind is married to my body. (laughs) It's such a relief. It's such a relief. So I wake up in the morning and I give thanks to God. And then I prepare my lunchbox. I prepare my, I'm super lazy and I don't want to be bothered. So I prepare my lunch, my breakfast, my dinner, and I put it in the fridge. And then I carry my lunches wherever I go. The problem of the food is solved. It's solved. I'm free the rest of the day. I know exactly when I'm going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know exactly what I ate, in what amount, what ingredients are safe for me. And then I can be present wherever I go. And every single one of my relationships notice. To me, to me, what I was really hungry for was love and love expresses in undivided attention with another human being and now I can provide exactly that to others I can provide undivided attention to my fellows and the result is a content heart a slim body and the lack of hunger and and just you know cravings and wanting to eat and with that I'll pass Thank you, Marcella. We'll now have Vasa O, followed by Jackie B. Vasa? Good morning. Yes, thank you, Katie, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovida calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, my love, love of affair didn't start uh, until we came in America. I was like 15 years old until I was 41 and a half years old when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And... Uh, I, it probably existed within, you know, the addiction. But coming from a poor country, we didn't have all the junk food that we have in America. So, as a matter of fact, as a child, I was very, very thin and very picky. There was really nothing to pick from any, anyways, you know. And I remember being called for being so skinny. And I remember being called for being chubby. That was not good either. So... I've been on both sides of the, on the pole. And as I said, so my food addiction started uh, when we came in America. Uh, I gained uh, 20 pounds in one month, and my mother was thrilled because she, she said, it's so nice to see some fat on your body, you know. And I also learned in the whole country, fat meant or chubby meant good. You were healthy. And here in America, we... I mean, it's all over, you know, here. It's not good. It, we develop, you know, problems, physical problems. And I was not even aware about the f- emotional and spiritual pro- program of this, um, of our program, you know. And, uh, again, I did suffer for many, many, many years, you know, before I married my husband and after I married my husband. And it became even pro- progressive, you know, over the years getting married, having children, and into the, the disease. 
and I couldn't lose any weight. I would be gaining more and more and being able to lose less and less because I did not, didn't understand the, the physical allergy, you know, and the mental obsession. But anyway, so I had the love affair, and I would tell my husband every night, oh, I just love to eat. And he would just look at me because he's not me, like me, you know. He'll just look at me, you know, like I was crazy, you know. And that was true, though. I look forward, you know, to have food, to fill in that empty hole that I suffered over the years. And I remember thinking I was not really happy in our relationship. And I blamed my unhappiness on him. Well, if he loves me, if he encourages me, and, you know, my self-esteem will go up, and I'll be able to feel good about myself, better about myself. And, you know, he's not that kind of a person. He loves me, but he doesn't, you know, he cannot be emotionally for me because, you know, that's the way he grew up in his own home. Well, when I came in over Eaters Anonymous, I know my time is up. I lost the weight, started feeling good about myself, and I started looking around, around other men. I just thank God I had a sponsor. Wrap it up. Thank God I went to therapy. It was nothing. It had nothing to do with him. We've been married almost 51 years. The problem's with me. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And we will now have Jackie B. Jackie B, go ahead. Yes, it's Jackie B from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes, Jackie. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for your service. And um, what, what I what I what I got from this uh, reading was, I was brought up in a household where nobody ever forgot anything you did. Um, it's oh, even if we were calm and we said we forgived each other, forgiveness really wasn't there because we'd always bring up, um, oh, you did this. Remember when you did that? I'll never forgive you. Blah 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 blah. blah. And so, you know, that was one of the things that I thought um, made me righteous because I can remember what you did to me, and and I'm a saint for even allowing you to, you know, uh, keep going and being in my life. Little to say, um, it was really desperation. I didn't want to be alone. So I wouldn't speak up or I wouldn't, uh, you know, fight for myself. I'd rather eat then, um, you know, confront anybody on anything or really learn how to forgive. Um, with program and with the recovery that I have today, I have learned to forgive, to allow people to be who they are, allow acceptance, and I've also allowed to accept Jackie. I accept Jackie for who she is, and I do a recovery program that I am proud of, that I am there for others. And, yes, I can totally identify how my love affair was with food because I could, even in abstinence, in the abstinence before I knew about the allergy and the ingredients, I was so obsessed. I was busy looking. While my daughter's trying to talk to me or my husband's trying to talk to me, I'm busy looking at the next table at the restaurant because I want to see what they're eating. Always interested in what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is eating, what everybody else is thinking. You know, like I said, until I took away and really knew what the allergy and the ingredients were, the thicky, thicky, thicky was always in my head. 
Okay, even when I, even if I was in whatever abstinence I was at the time, I kept obsessing, obsessing, obsessing. Today, I don't have that. Now I have a clear mind, a clear body, and I have to be present. I know today that even when my daughter's having, you know, her issues, that I ask God to watch over her, to help her, and for me to stay focused, be there if she needs me, but I've got to focus on how am I of service. When I wake up in the morning, the first step I say is the third step prayer. I am present for everyone because I first take care of me like some other people said. I have my food. I make sure I don't worry about the allergy. I take care of having foods that I ingest that do not trigger the allergy, and then I'm present. So I just say wherever you are in your program, keep coming back to the steps. And you know what? Yeah, not everything is perfect. But be willing. That's all you have to do is be willing and do it. Get off your kishkas and do it. Time, please. Oh, perfect time. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. Okay. Um, we are ready to take another lineup. If you're just joining us, let, let me just pause to let you know. We're in the chapter of the family afterwards on page 124, starting with the third paragraph. And we are reading through three paragraphs ending with to outgrow that serious handicap. So if you please give me your first name so I can write you down. I'm ready. Matt. Martha. Janice. Jan. And then I, but I heard a couple people before Jan. Martha S. Martha S. And then I, Monica. uh, What was the first initial of your last name, Monica? Monica M. Monica M. All right. Can we have anybody else? Jennifer H. Jennifer, and then I heard a, um, I heard a gentleman's name. Craig F. That's who our gentleman is. Okay, that's that's a that's a great lineup. Awesome. Okay, so let me let you know who I have. I have Madam Martha S. I think Jan S. Monica M. Jennifer H. And Craig S. So if you're not Matt. M, would everyone please press star one to mute their phone and we'll get started with Matt. Matt, go ahead. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M, also over here, New Jersey. It's possible to dig up past these seeds and become a blight, veritable plague. You know, growing up, I um, was was definitely compulsive over here at a very young age, and my family thought it was okay to fat shame me and to try losing weight. You know, they would call me all kinds of names under the sun. And every time I started to act up, they used to, they would bring up past misdeeds that I did. Like every time I let my guard down around them and, and told them how I was feeling or I, I, I was having no problem with them, the slightest infraction or anything I did, they would bring up the past and dredge it up and dredge it up. So I learned to that behavior at a young age. I, I wound up doing that with friends and family, and I, I learned at a young age that it's okay to, to keep uh, harping on people and to keep making people feel less than, and that's not a good thing. You know, I, I wasn't a very nice person when I was younger, and uh, up to recently I learned that, you know, it's still okay, you know, to do those things, and I'm very grateful that, you know, my higher power opened my eyes that these, these behaviors are unacceptable. People are people, and everybody makes mistakes, and who am I to judge someone else for the mistakes they made? Yes, I'm a human being. Stuff is going to come up for me. I'm going to get irritated. I'm going to get upset by other people's and other behavior. But, um, again, people are going to get upset with my behavior and things I do. I'm not perfect. 
So if I'm allowed, if I'm going to give myself some leeway, I have to allow others their their ability to be who they are and be human at the same time. So I'm learning that it's not okay to judge others for their for who they are as a person. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Wonderful, Matt. And Martha S. Is that the first initial of your last name, Martha? Yes. Thanks, Martha Wonderful. S. This is Sam. Thank you for your service. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in upstate New York. So that second to the last sentence that we read, we alcoholics are sensitive people, jumped out at me because I've always been sensitive through my whole life. And um, some people would say oversensitive. And um, so, so what helps me now in recovery one day at a time with my higher powers help is you know, if I'm feeling oversensitive about something, if I'm having a resentment, which for me is more than just anger, it could be anything that I'm re-feeling, because uh, resentment comes, what I was taught was resentment comes from the Latin or the French, um, resentment, so I'm re-feeling anything. Um, I'm chewing on it in my brain, what happened, what so-and-so said, and what I think they should have done, and I'm just, I can't let go of it. And I, so 10 steps, 10 steps are so important to me now. Um, since uh, my relapse two years ago, 10 steps are throughout the day as things come up. Um, because I am, I am sensitive. Now, it says it takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. I don't think I outgrow it using my own power. I think that, like other defects, it's removed in my higher power's time by my higher power. And all I can do in step 10 on page 84, all I can do is watch for my defects as they come up. When they come up um, every day in small ways or large ways and watch for them and then ask my higher power to remove the ones that are blocking me from being of maximum usefulness to him and helpful to my fellows and turn my attention to someone I can help make amends quickly if I need to, um, talk to another recovered person about the amends and share my inventory of my defects and ask for feedback and then go and make the amend, a clean amends that won't cause harm. But I have to do all this because I am, I am sensitive and that sensitivity is going to drive me back into the food for ease and comfort if I'm not doing this step work. I'm really grateful for the steps because it is it is a simple program, not easy, but the steps are there as needed throughout the day, and I'm really grateful for that and the fellowship and the higher power. So I'll pass. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Martha. And Jan S., followed by Monica M. Jan? Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, Jan. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing, and thank you for your service for moderating. Um, well, for me, I I definitely can relate to the history of um, of, of tr- turning outside myself for uh, needs that um, I couldn't meet for myself because I was emotionally stunted in my growth from the time I was a young child growing up in a very shame-based 
family system and also because I found food really early to help uh, sate all the pain and the fear and the rejection. So I I did not know how to cope with the challenges of life, and I had very low self-esteem. So seeking pleasure and seeking solace and comfort and ease outside myself was a very, very early ingrained behavior. Um, and during my um, marriage, my first marriage, I I definitely... Um, had had challenges with that when I would cry out to a person who was not available again for me or, you know, and I was not available for myself. And um, I know that uh, as I continued to work program, my higher power and this program was working on me. And um, that first marriage did end, but before it ended, um, I made amends in my behaviors with the help of program and my higher power, and my higher power absolutely plucked that defective behavior out of my life. It was nothing short of a miracle. Um, and, and those behaviors do not call to me today. They never have since. And it is truly a blessing. It is truly a miracle. And the best part is, is that, you know, I walk this earth today, a free woman, uh, in peace, living life to according to God's will for me and continuing to work my program every day. That's the miracle. That's the change. And I no longer seek solace from anyone or anything that is is only, only a place where it comes from God within me. And that is such a divine, divine place to be. So I am grateful for program. I am grateful to a higher power who who is just always there for me and um and the joys that life can bring when the healing comes so don't give up before the miracle happens thank you and i pass thanks jan and we'll now have monica m followed by jennifer h monica can i be heard yep monica go ahead Good morning, everyone. I'm Monica M. I'm compulsive overeater in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I just wanted to say how grateful I am for all of the shares and for you know for the people on this call. I am um, just shortly before I put the food down. I was in the car with my husband, and uh, something something came up, and I was being really indignant um, about a suggestion that he was making about where to go to eat or something like that. And I said, you know, this has been really hard for me. Like, you know, like something about, didn't you notice the plastic containers in the car? Like I'm, you know, and I came clean about sneaking food, like, you know, like going to the grocery store and getting food and eating it in the car before I got home. And, and like, I'm not, I'm fully in food at this point. Like I'm not, I haven't put the food down. I'm, I'm going to meetings and I'm trying to find my way you know, back and, but I'm like just completely in, in full blown relapse and, um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm being indignant with him about the fact that I've been sneaking food, um, somehow trying to make it his fault. I don't know. Um, and he compared it to cheating on him. He said, if you're, if you're lying to me about this, what else are you lying to me about? How can I trust you? And how do I know that you're not 
you know, out there talking to other guys or something like that. And I lost my mind. Um, I, you know, had a, I just had a complete rage out about how dare he compare, you know, my eating um, to the possibility of, you know, or, or to infidelity. And, um, you know, and I'm just so grateful today that I'm, I'm on this path and that I found someone in whom the problem has been solved and we're making our way through the steps and that, um, you know, he just looked at me the night before last and said, wow, things have been really good with us. You know, like, I feel like we're in such a good place. And I just kind of laughed and I said, yeah, it's funny what happens when I'm not, you know, binging and, you know, sneaking food and putting things in my body that, you know, that drive me into this, this rage place. And I'm not going to say that I haven't had anger since I put the food down, you know, I have, but um, through the grace of God in this program, um, you know, things like I, I can tell, I have hope today, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I, I have hope um, because of what I've seen in others. So thank you so much for letting me share with that I passed. Thank you, Monica. <clears throat> and we'll now have Jennifer H. followed by Craig F. Jennifer, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Jennifer, compulsive reader in Virginia. Um, when I read through this, I thought about uh, food as my lover. So I actually had my spouse say that to me once, that he felt like food. Other than that, as far as Jennifer, I'm having a hard time hearing you. You're going in I'm and sorry, out. Are you there? I am. Is that better? Uh, still a little quiet, but go ahead. Is that better? Sorry about that. Let's try it. Yeah, um, go ahead. Okay, thank you. I was on speaker. I apologize. Um, anyway, um, now what I find is in abstinence, he's, it, I did talk to him about what my behaviors were with food, and a lot of it he wasn't really aware of. And now... Um, when he's not sure where I am or what I'm doing, sometimes he'll still question me about it. And I find myself um, getting very indignant and self-righteous about it. And what I realize is that I am sensitive um, and I am overly sensitive. And with him, it's going to take a little more. It takes time as far as seeing the improvements and the abstinence and being secure that it's not going to happen again. And even with myself, sometimes I feel that way. But I'm grateful that today um, I'm in recovery and recovered. And I can listen to you all to stay that way and also keep working these steps. And yesterday I've had to do 10 steps about that kind of thing and not hang on to it and not get resentful. And I'm just really grateful for the process. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Jennifer. And Craig F., we are ready for your share. Good morning. Thank you for your service. And this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I've uh, been kind of quiet lately because um, I, I don't, you know, my entry into, into recovery has, was marked by the fact that I, I, I didn't have a, 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 a I don't want to say I don't have a, didn't have a family. I didn't live with a family. Um, and, I, you know, um, kind of felt like I wasn't sure I had anything to say about all of this. Um, so um, I, uh, but when I'm reading this, one of the things I'm I'm reading here is I, he, he says, uh, 
we do this and we do that. And I think what he's really saying is this is these are kind of some guidelines we ought to have for how we, we deal with one another, you know, um, that uh, we keep few suck skeletons in the in the closet. Uh, that doesn't mean that there are people that, that don't. It means that, that he's suggesting that we don't keep our skeletons in our closet, that we share what, what's happened and, and uh, that uh, we don't involve ourselves in scandalous gossip and laughter at the expense of other people and, and uh, we don't take advantage of intimate information. And, you know, it's pretty tempting when you hear some stories to, to not, you know, not be... Uh, Oh, not to find your friend and say, did you hear what that idiot did or shared or, you know, something of that nature. It's tempting, but this, these, these paragraphs here are reminding us of how, how um, fragile our society is and how we, we need to respect it by, uh, by how we deal with one another and how we deal with that infinite, intimate information that uh, we have on each other, you know? And uh, so he's kind of given us guidelines. And then the other thing I, I, I was thinking here is that there's a, a tie-in between this 12th step, practicing our principles in all our affairs, and, uh, the, and the ninth step, uh, you know, it says we make amends except when to do so would injure them or others. And, and you know, we... we uh, um, sometimes uh, can forget how injurious we can be uh, to others, and that w- with this with this information, and uh, you know, but we try not to keep skeletons in the closet, and you know, the secrets kill us. The secrets, the things that I tried to keep secret, killed me, uh, put me in relapse, kept me from receiving the sunlight of the spirit, and. Uh, I uh, uh, today kind of go forward with with uh, unbridled piece. unbridled abandon to share those things uh, because I can trust this organization, I believe. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. And for those who are just joining us, we are on we are in the family afterwards, <clears throat> starting on page one twenty four with the third paragraph. It is possible to dig up. We're reading and tearing on three paragraphs, ending with to outgrow that serious handicap. And comments are welcome on all paragraphs. Would you please, uh, if you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. Harlan, Ross, Sam. I got Harlan, Larry, Russ, Ginger, C. Sandy. Wait, hang on. Harlan, Larry, Russ, Sandy, and Ginger. Anybody else? I try one more. All right. No problem. Oh, we'll put you in at the end. You know what? I just looked at the time. If we don't have time, I know uh, we have our second hour, too. So let's get started. If you're not Harlan G., please press star Mm -hmm. one to mute your phone. Harlan, go ahead. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, Gabriella, for your wonderful service this morning. And thank you to Team Thursday for making the meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. in still sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. What are these paragraphs telling me? They are telling me that food is not the problem and that abstinence is not the solution. Now, 
you may think from what I just said that I don't think you should be abstinent. No, I didn't say that. What the paragraphs are telling me here is that abstinence alone will not get me to where I need to be. And where I need to be is a human being able to function in the world with people, whether they have the same last name as me or not. Now, there aren't any people out there that have the same last name as me. I, I'm not, I don't have brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, wives, cousins. I don't have any of that. But I do have friends and I do interact with people on an everyday basis. And food is not the problem. Food for people like me is the solution to the problem because when you don't stick to my script, when you scare me, when you threaten my basic instincts of life, when I feel that my social security and sex instincts are threatened, the level of emotion is going to rise and food is going to seem like a step up from where I am because the pain of not eating is too much for me to bear. And abstinence alone will not solve this. I must work the steps and be in fit spiritual condition because no matter how evolved my recovery gets, I will never rise above the level of a human being. And as a human being, I am a sensitive, misguided person who exaggerates and distorts everything in my reality. And my reality becomes different from the reality that you all see. And in that space, I can be the victim. And when I am the victim, I'm going to eat. I must work the steps like my hair is on fire. And unless I work the steps like my hair is on fire, somebody is going to scare me. And somebody is going to make me mad. And as such, I am going to relapse with a vengeance. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Larry. And we will now, I mean, <laughs> sorry. Thanks, Harlan G. Now up, Larry K., followed by Russ M. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Katie. Um, this is Larry K. calling from Chicago, where it is a chilly 45 degrees. Okay, I'm not complaining. Um, boy, I I agree. I, I love the shares, and I agree with Harlan. I don't disagree with that man too often. Um, you know, I was in Overeaters Anonymous the first several years. I was going to meetings. I was reading the literature. I was doing the deal, or so I thought. What I wasn't doing was putting my food down entirely. I wasn't willing to go through the uncomfortability, the horrible uncomfortability that it takes to put the food down. Now, it may come easy at certain times, as it did for me. And I thought, I don't know, hadn't taken step one necessarily. I was just eating the other day. Certainly took my will back. It was a step one issue, and yet maybe, just maybe, I had a spiritual awakening. I don't know. Maybe I'm special that way because I'm not feeling the cravings in the moment. And then you know what happened? I would find myself. Do you know that it's behind a grocery store among the docks and the 
garbage cans. There's not very many people. And in Overeaters Anonymous, I would find myself, I don't know, maybe it was like a gravitational pull in my car and me, and I would find myself behind the big grocery store where nobody was. It was like a ghost town. And there in my car, out came the cellophane bags and the bakery boxes and the cartons and the this and the that. Now, mind you, I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. I'll get back on tomorrow. No one needs to know. In fact, no one can know. It's dark back there. The dock workers, the, the deliveries, they all came earlier. And I would bust out the, the, the cheesecake or the this or the that. Because something like Harlan said, somebody cut me off in traffic. My wife rolled her eyes. Um, I don't know. Somebody at work said something. And I can create quite a story in my mind. And the next thing you know, food is a step up for me. And until I was willing to work the steps in sequence, 1 through 12, following the instructions precisely, I would not have a, an effective spiritual awakening. I might have some spiritual experiences, some feel-goods, some connections, but I did not have an effective restructuring, inward restructuring, where I no longer thought or felt or acted the way I used to act. And that comes by working the steps. And I don't know, Harlan, what do we call that? We call that recovery, right? That's what I learned from these giants. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And now up, Russ M., followed by Sandy, but I don't have the first initial of your last name. Russ, go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. Russ M., recovered compulsive reader outside of Philly. Whew. So, um, yeah, you know, I I was unfaithful to my wife. I was unfaithful to my family. Uh, not so much with an affair, but, you know, I was like having an affair with me, with my ego what I wanted out of life with building watches that was costing money for my family, um, uh, being frivolous in my spending in my office, losing my business. Um, whatever attention hit I could get. It was all about me. And, uh, you know, this, 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 uh, chapter just, opens up my eyes to all that. You know, it's like, not that I didn't know I was doing it. I was trying to survive. It doesn't uh, relinquish me of, of, of uh, the responsibility. I did it. So I was sick. Who cares? You know, it's like you have to, I got to make up for this now. I feel terrible about it, to be honest with you. When I read this chapter, the stuff that I did to my family. Um, and, it, you know, it was all, all about me. All about what I could get out of it. Same thing with the food. You know, so I can never be present to my family. And yeah, there's great. Oh, we, my wife forgives me. I, you know, I'm working at it. Look at you. You're recovering. You're doing so great. And then I have a moment of rage and she goes back, well, you used to do this. You did this to us. This is how you handled yourself when we needed you the most. So it comes up and you know what? They're, they're, they're allowed. It's their right to do that because I, I, I took those actions and I hurt my family. And, yeah, right, it's years of reconstruction. Now, these things are happening less and less, and it's getting better through God's grace. But I'm glad. And I'm, you know what? I'm glad I feel bad about these things. And I'm glad they remind me because it keeps me in recovery. It keeps me working the steps. 
It's a little bit of fear saying, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to ever want to go back to that. You know, life is not going to be joyous, harmonious, and, you know, perfect. But damn, I, I ain't going back to that. And through this program, through this, these steps, through this phone meeting, through everyone who's on this line, you're, you're a lifeline. You're restoring me to, to stay where I'm at. And I could actually appreciate my family. I actually, I actually see the blessing of what they are about and what God gave me with them. So with that, I'll pass. You guys have a good day. I love you. Thanks, Russ. And Sandy, Ginger, and Jody. so I've done a poor job timing. Uh, Sandy, if you could give us about a minute and a half, and then we'll see if we can get Ginger in. Um, that would be great. And Jody, hopefully you can share on the second meeting. I apologize. Sandy, are you there? Yes, I am. And I'll keep Go it to a minute. Hi, Sandy. Uh, Sandy from Asheville, S. We are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. Underneath the compulsive overeating was this insatiable desire to be the best at everything. And um, right now, I'm in an acting thing. I'm in a play for the first time, and I'm like the worst in the cast. And the director doesn't particularly like me and gave me some real criticism with an email last night and told me to stop moving around, you know, so much. Well, I was sitting that I had to be more still, and, like, I wanted to kill her. Uh, talk about sensitivity. Like, every time she praises someone else, I just want to go over and smash her in the head. I mean, so this is a perfect opportunity to bring God in. You know, growing pains. Yes, I can outgrow this serious handicap of needing to be the best at everything. Okay, wonderful. Thanks, Sandy. And Ginger, we have about actually two. Well, no, sorry, one minute. Are you are you there, Ginger? Oh, hi, Katie. Good morning, and thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. So one minute. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of these last two words, love and tolerance. And thank God we get to practice this because we may not like everyone, but love is always the answer no matter what the question And, you know, 77 just reminds us we're to be doing God's work and be of maximum service. And if I'm ill-hearted and if I'm holding ugly thoughts or I'm thinking I know what's best for you, how am I doing that service? And I have no idea who God's going to put in my path today. Just help my heart to be soft and to be open and to receive. So I'm just so grateful again for our clear directions and that God will show us how to take a kindly and a tolerant view of each and every one. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. And special thanks to Sandy, Ginger, and Jody for your patience with my timing. Okay. So it is 7.55. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, September 27, 2018, is 11969. Again, that is 11969. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Devora S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Hi, good morning, Devorah S. Sierra covered in New Jersey. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.